Hey guys, today it's all about the Q&A. Ivan Roman's in his house and we about to tackle your questions right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go. Welcome to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, where emerging revivalists and extraordinary leaders share inspirational experiences that will help take you to a higher level. Now here's your host, Darren Stott. Brad ass, ever now and then I fall apart, and I need you more tonight. We need you more, guys. Welcome, and hopefully you haven't already turned off the show. It's good to have you here on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. I decided to start off the show with "Totally Eclipse of the Heart," such an appropriate song considering today is the total solar eclipse sweeping across the United States, across Oregon, Seattle. Of course, this is all about to go down here in just a couple of minutes, and so, um, uh, uh, so I'm going to be grabbing my sunglasses, running outside, and staring at the sun. So it's a super cool day uh, in, uh, in, in the history books, um, and, uh, and, and we're kicking off a podcast today. So it's good to have you here. If we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor at a church called Seattle Revival Center, also the founder of Supernatural Mysteries and author of a book called Pattern Interrupt. Get yours at Amazon. Again, that's Pattern Interrupt. It's an awesome book. Um, this podcast exists to equip, connect, and promote emerging supernaturalists on a global level. And I trust that that's why you're listening is because it's your desire to see the kingdom of God, uh, the, the realities of the kingdom of God manifest in and through your life on the earth. And it's such an honor to have you listening today. This show is brought to you by SupernaturalParents.com. If you got some little kids, some grandkids, and it's your heart and desire to raise them up in the ways of biblical supernatural Christianity, then check it out. It's 12 tips for supernatural parenting. It's high definition. It's free. It's yours. My gift to you at supernaturalparents.com. That's supernaturalparents.com. Today, it's all about the Q&A. Ivan Roman's in the house, and we're going to be diving into your questions, your questions that you submitted on Facebook. Ivan Roman, who he be? He'd be a pastor and prophet with some theology. He got a degree, his master's in theology. Ivan Roman is a good friend of mine. Love this guy. He and his wife, Erica, they're revivalists, uh, prophetic teachers, and the senior leaders at Empowered Life Church in Medford, Oregon. So like I said, Ivan's actually got his master's degree in theology, and he's going to be breaking down the breakdowns on today's podcast as we talk about everything from waiting for Boaz, that that be waiting for your boyfriend or your girlfriend. We're talking about relationships today as well as um, good God and suffering and, and, and how to merge those concepts. We're also going to be talking about when God doesn't heal and how to process through that. And we're also going to be talking about hell as well as many other things, but those are just a couple of the hot topics that we're going to be uh, jumping into today. Ivan Roman, yep, he's a pastor, but he also travels really all over the world, doing everything from Bible schools to conferences, teaching at churches. Um, Ivan and Erica, they have a huge heart to see God's kingdom demonstrated in everyday life. Like I said, they live in Medford, Oregon with their three boys, Isaiah, Aaron, and Ezra, Go to his website. Check this out, IvanRoman.org. That's IvanRoman.org. And make sure that you order a copy of his book, The Heart of the Prophetic, Unlocking the Prophetic Through the Understanding of the Father Heart of God. It's 
epic. It's awesome. And if you have a heart to to be prophetic and to be releasing the word of the Lord on the earth, you're going to want to check out this book so that you have a good, healthy, new covenant grid. All right. And so, uh, like I said, it's all going down right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. But, but. Before we begin, <laughs> this is what I need you guys to do. If you like this show, um, rather than clicking on the Facebook link each week, subscribe. Subscribe on iTunes if you're on iPhone or uh, or like an iPad. But if you're on Android, um, then I don't really you download a podcast manager off your app store and subscribe to this podcast so that each and every week the latest podcast downloads automatically onto your phone. And so if you wouldn't mind subscribing and also leaving a rating on the iTunes store, that would help us out so much. You can leave one star, that means that you think it's okay, or you can leave five stars, and that means that you think this thing is too legit to quit. So enough on that, let's dive into our Q&A with Ivan Roman. Here we go. All right, everybody, here we go. I got Ivan Roman on the air right now. We're going to be diving into the plethora of amazing questions that were submitted on Facebook. And I wanted to get Ivan Roman on here because he's like super crazy prophetic, but he's also like this crazy theologian that just values the word of God. And and um, and so we're, we're going to have some fun today. We're going to dive uh, right into this. And so I'll just start off by saying, what's up, Ivan? What's up, bro? Good to be on your show, man. This is fun. Dude, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, this is going to be great. So are you ready to do this thing? I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. So th- these are from all my uh, Facebook peeps. The first one, uh, the first question is, and, I, and, and just right off the bat, we're not going to be doing every question that was submitted because there are just way too many questions. Um, so uh, so I apologize right off the bat. But, but here we go with the first one. The first question is, when will my Boaz find me? <laughs> All right, here we go. When will my Boaz find me? Oh, man. I, I give you authorization to give me a prophecy. So first of all, dude, like, do you have a prophetic word for this gal right off right off the bat? <laughs> all right, so, so I don't have a prophetic word, but I do know what the word says. And, uh, and uh, I've come from, so for those of you listeners that don't know who I am, I have very sarcastic sense of humor. I'm trying to be funny, so don't get upset with me. And also, I come from a very extremely charismatic prophetic. And so if I'm ever kind of poking fun, it's not that I'm trying to be mean. Um, It's just my sense of humor. Um, What I would say is this. The Bible says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And uh, Darren, if I could maybe poke a possibly poke a, a, a church bear or something that's been around the church for a long time. There was a book... Uh, written a long time ago, it would have been in our generation called "I Kiss Dating Goodbye," mm. and uh, <laughs> I kind of think that book needed to be kissed goodbye. Amen. And let me let me <laughs> let me give you let me give you a little bit of the background because I'm not saying that as believers that we should be sleeping around, and absolutely not. The scripture is very clear about you know uh, purity, but that book basically was teaching that you can't like get to know somebody. You got to court them like you got to fool on you. You're interested in someone. You got to ask mom and dad. I have intentions to marry this person. 
you know, can I can I court? And that's so intense. And and I know that Joshua Harris has written an apology letter recently saying I've received thousands of emails of how my book basically has ruined people. And it's not funny. And he's publicly repenting because a lot of them were courting. They get married. And then years later, they find out I don't even know this person. I don't like this person. So I think my simple advice would be not to make everything super spiritual when it comes to relationships. Do you like the person? Do they make you laugh? You know, and I find that a lot of people, they're not putting themselves in positions anymore to actually date and have friends. And like my pastor told me one time, he said, Ivan, do you like this gal? I said, yes, sir. He said, don't ever be alone with her and uh, and you'll be fine. And I'm married to that girl now. Come and on. so I, I just think people get over spiritual with relationships <laughs> and, and we just kind of got to, you know, Darren, I remember the day where I would have to put some cologne on. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd, I'd have the little breast spray <laughs> and I and I'd have to like go up to somebody and say, how's it going? Can I get your phone number? And nowadays, I don't think people are doing that. They're just, Holy Spirit, bring me my spouse. And he's like, hey, you know, maybe comb your hair. Not that, you know, like, <laughs> get <up. So. laughs> Yeah, totally. I think that one thing that, that she asked here is, when will my Boaz find me? And I, and I would just say, when you stop looking for him. I mean, I think that there's yeah. something about like, there's there sometimes we get ruled by desperation and sometimes we fall more, we fall more in love with the idea of being in a relationship than we do of even actually falling in love with the person so i would just say like for all you single ladies and all you single guys um that where there's like a certain level or layer of desperation like I know this sounds cliche, but it'd be really good to, to put that that desire on the altar and, and, and to allow your focus to go into different places like like your faith, your church, your even your career, um, and even yeah. into preparing for your your spouse. And so instead of looking for your spouse, begin preparing yourself for your spouse. Like for all you guys, like maybe get out of debt, right? Like maybe like uh, get a place of your own if you're still living with mom and dad. Like that, that'll definitely make you more of an eligible bachelor <laughs> if nothing right. else you know maybe uh you know but just just instead of putting all your attention in cruising dating websites maybe you go out and get right. a, a, a a gym membership right like maybe you go out and drop some pounds get healthy like you you just move your focus off of this crazy desire that's driving you and and begin to focus on the lord and on on your on your on your body on your career you know onto Come these on. other things and i think when you're not looking, all of a sudden your Boaz is going to show up, and uh, and hopefully your Boaz has been preparing himself while you've been preparing yourself, and you're re- and you're ready to actually dive into an awesome relationship. So come on, yeah. So basically, you're saying he's coming in like six months at twelve o'clock. Yeah, somewhere between <laughs> yes, <laughs> somewhere between three to six months, and uh, yeah, absolutely, he'll be about six foot two, thin, blue eye. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right. So I think awesome. All right. Next question. Um, microchips implanted in the workplace. Now, for some of you that aren't familiar with this, this is a real deal. And so I'm going to play a clip right now um, from Dateline where they're going to be talking about um, about this reality. And then Ivan and I, we're going we're gonna to dive right into this, into this topic. So here, here's the clip. A lot of us, the first thing we have to do when we get to work is swipe in with our key card. Then you sit down to start working and you need a password to log in here too. 
and here at our station, if you want a snack, want to come upstairs to the break room, you got to grab your snack, bring it over here. You got to use a card to be able to purchase it. But what if there was a way that you wouldn't have to do any of that, where you could be microchipped, and that would basically work for the entire building? Well, it might be possible soon. Well, dozens of people are doing it voluntarily. Next week, Three Square Market in Wisconsin will be the first company in the U.S. to give microchips to its workers. They are one of those businesses that put many food markets, similar to ours, into business places. They expect more than 50 employees to opt into the microchip. This is what it looks like, about the size of a grain of rice. It gets implanted under the skin between the thumb and the forefinger, and it just takes seconds to do it. The chip implant uses the same technology as mobile payments like Apple Pay. The chip allows them to buy stuff in the break room, log into their computer, and get into the building. The Wisconsin company got the idea from a company in Sweden that started voluntarily putting chips in its workers recently. It claims the chip does not track people, but there are possible privacy concerns for the future because the company's CEO says the chips have the ability to store medical and health information. Still a lot of concern about this one though, because what if you quit or you got fired? It costs $300 to implant the chip into your body. No word on exactly how they would get it out if you needed to. All right, so there you have it, Ivan. Uh, work chips being implanted into people's hands in the workplace to purchase soft drinks and to get into the building. Here's the question, bro. Are you going to or to, are you going to receive or deny the mark of the beast, Ivan, even if it means you can't get into your workplace? Man, well, all my staff already have chips, so is that, you know, I guess, I guess we've already embraced it. Oh, no. Oh, no. So in order, just, in order to get into your church, you actually have to use a microchip? Yeah, absolutely, on their forehead. And uh, the, the, the login the login is a 666. Is that? Oh, no. Can you? I mean, it, people are paying their tithe with the chip. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, you know, it's so crazy because just from a, a practical place, I wouldn't want to put a chip in my body. I mean, I, I'm sure 10 years from now or 20 years, they're going to discover that stuff is jacking people up. So just from a practical perspective, uh, no, I would not do that. I would not want my children to do that. Now, in the context of, of the, the book of Revelation and eschatology, I may have a different opinion than a lot of people. And I'm not saying that my opinion's right. It's just uh, what I understand from Scripture I um, I study the word with what's called a historical contextual hermeneutic or reader relevance. So when I read the Bible, the Bible can't mean to me what it didn't mean first to them, right? The original right. hearers, what did it mean to the person hearing it? So when I read uh, about the mark of the beast, for example, I have to go to history and I have to look about what was going on during that time. Is there anyone that was requiring a mark, a chip, whatever? What you discover is there was a man by the name of Nero, and we all know who Nero was, his persecution of the church. Well, there was a statue to Nero, and they had to, like, burn incense, basically, and then they had to apply some of the ashes to their wrist and to their forehead, just like the scripture says, in order for them to buy and trade. So for me, when I look historically, I look at someone who they actually called the beast who created this system almost of like they had to worship Nero in order to trade. And so when I see all these chips and all this kind of stuff, I think it's like part of it's kind of cool, the technology, and the other part of it's dumb that you put something like that in your body. But as for like, does that mean you can't get to heaven? I think that's the kind of stuff that... I like to call hillbilly hermeneutics, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what we did. We're just taking scripture completely out of context and putting fear in people.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think as far as as far as I'm concerned, this isn't an end times conversation as much as it is a conversation of is it wise? And like, and I'm telling you, like, if I was working for an like I'm kind of self employed, just being a pastor and stuff. But if I was working for like a, a major Fortune 100, 500 company, like, do I really want to have a uh, like my business, my employer, my boss putting some sort of tracking device in my body? Like, right. absolutely not. Like right now. Right. I can, if I want, I can go off the grid. I can turn my phone off. I can leave my phone at home and I can go for a hike. I can go camping or whatever else. Like if you got this thing in your body, like there ain't no turning that off. Like that thing's always, that thing's always on. And so there'll be, you know, can you imagine like, Hey, like, you know, you said you were sick, but you actually went to Disneyland. Like, (laughs) you know, like you're, you're a liar and you're fired, but you still have to keep the chip in your hand. All right. Take care. (laughs) You know, like that's, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. No. Yeah. So I, like, so I don't think this is a matter of, you know, like, like getting your head cut off by the guillotine, like the old movie, you know, like, I don't think, I don't think we're there yet. I don't, I don't think, I don't think we'll ever, <laughs> Lord willing, ever be there. Um, All right. Uh, but if, if things ever go that direction, I'll know that it's my head in the basket, not Ivan's. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Check out my chip, man. <laughs> I got the new Motorola chip. <laughs> so, so I hope that helps our, uh, our listeners. <laughs> All right. Next question. All right. So speaking of the end times, so Ivan, how, how are you preparing for the end times and how can you prepare our listeners for being ready um, for the end times? All right, so so uh, let me let me read you a Bible verse, okay? And it's uh, Acts chapter one, verse six. It says, "So when they had come together, they were asking him, saying, Lord, is it at this time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel?' Right? Come on, when's the end times happening? You know? Yep. He said to them, "It is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has fixed by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you should be my witnesses, and you know the rest of the passage." And so I take that passage of scripture and, and I say, I mean, I'm a stu- student of the word. I study the book of Revelation. I have opinions. But ultimately, how I'm preparing is by getting as many people saved, as many people discipled, as many people led to Jesus. And you know what? If I'm wrong and I get pre-tribulation raptured and sucked up, then you know what? I got. Yeah, at least I wasn't like caught in the shower or something. Come on. I was caught evangel- evangelizing, you know. I wish we'd all been ready. Like there's naked Ivan getting pulled up through up into the vortex. I've I've heard some crazy stories. I've heard stories, Darren, of like youth camps where like they're super strong in, in uh, pre-tribulation rapture. And so they would like, you know, like pretend that all the kids got raptured and the one kid would wake up late. And next thing you know, like, <laughs> oh, no, I'm left behind, you know, or, oh, man. No, that's I, I grew up with all those old movies. I mean, I, like I remember I was like five years old when I when I first saw Thief in the Night and they showed it at our church. And I, I just remembered like I just remembered being like I like I had a certain level of like childhood PTSD from that movie like 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 i just remember being like as white as a sheet and like this guy coming up to me and being like uh, actually weirdly enough he actually submitted a question on (laughs) on facebook but i was like yeah but i was like he didn't submit this question but i was like i was like five or six he came up to me he's like hey darren like why you look why you look like a ghost and i was like because (laughs) 
I, I don't want to get left behind. He's like, oh, you don't, oh my goodness. you don't have to worry about that. You have Jesus in your heart. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And then just, oh, man. just all the stuff, man, coming home from school and your parents aren't there and just and like going upstairs and seeing your dad's like electric toothbrush, like just like kind of buzzing on the counter. <laughs> and just be like, oh, my Lord. Like, actually, they didn't even have electric toothbrushes when I was five. But, you know, oh, my goodness. <laughs> The, oh, the lawnmower <laughs> running out in the front lawn just <laughs> it, it's it's super funny you know but it's also sad because i you know when i first got into the pastor and i had this uh gentleman that pastor for 30 years and he came over to me and he said ivan he says i'm i'm ready to retire and i don't have a savings and he says because i was taught jesus was coming back any day i was going to be already raptured out of here he says and now i'm having to work so hard and his encouragement to me was think long term, have kids, think about your great grandkids, store up your resources, buy real estate. And he was just really encouraging me because he said, man, some of this theology, it's it's really that whole generation is kind of hurting right now because of of some of those beliefs, you know, totally. And I definitely felt that dynamic growing up. I mean, I heard it taught all throughout my childhood that the generation that saw Israel become a nation would be the generation that sees the return of Christ. And so like, I literally heard it all the time that Jesus was coming any day. And, and I just remember praying and like pleading with the Lord, like I wanted to get married, you know, like, right. like, 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 like having kids, yeah, okay, whatever. But like, I wanted to get married, right? Like, I wanted, to have, a, I wanted to have a wife. Like, like, and I literally didn't know if that was if that was even gonna gonna happen. So, like, I I longed for a long term trajectory, but I think practically, like being a teenager, I didn't really know if that was gonna happen. And I remember like, um, uh, what there's a there's a very 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 well known uh, revivalist itinerant that if I, you know, if I said his name, everybody would know who I'm talking about. And I literally heard him preach a message, um, in one of our revival meetings and the, and the topic, like the title of his message was, it's a good day to die. And his whole, Whoa. his whole message was on the, the nuclear power plants and how they're, how they're ready to blow up. Cause they're not being maintained. All the terrorists with suitcase bombs, like, like he went on and on and on. And then, it, and then his message ended with, it's a good day to die. Basically <laughs> saying that we're about to all be martyred, you know, it, like, everything's about to hit the fan and so like my my best friend and i he was he was spending the night he like he we we went home and my parents are like what's wrong we're like well we're at we're, we're quitting school like we're done with school we're done with like and we were kidding you know but it was just like that was dude that was like the message in the circle that we were in in the in the 80s and 90s and i'm i i'm just so thrilled to be able to raise my children uh, with them planning for the future. I remember it was actually Bob Jones, you know, like uh, Bob Jones was an old man, but he wasn't old school, you know? Right. And Bob would say, some of you are waiting for the rapture. And he'd say, I get raptured up four times a day. And, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, but Bob Jones would prophesy out like 200 years. And that was like disgraceful for kind exactly. of the traditional kind of Pentecostal you know, eschatology. And so like, yeah, so we're raising our children to believe that this isn't the end. This is the beginning that we are, we're not wrapping things up on the earth. We're, we're building something up on the earth Come on, and, yes. um, and that we, we shouldn't move out into the boonies with our, with our Bud Light and top, top ramen. Yeah, like we, yeah. need, we need to be, we need to be present. We need to be um, focused and engaging with the earth because we got a job to do. So 
Absolutely. There's a there's a verse out of Jeremiah 29, and everyone knows Jeremiah 29 verse 11, right? I know the plans I have for you, prosper your future hope. Come on. But the, the the context is they're they're in captivity in Babylon, and God speaks to the ones that are in captivity, and He says. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and become the fathers of sons and daughters. Take wife for your sons. And he's basically giving them a long-term vision in the midst of captivity. And so I think the encouragement for, for a lot of these people is, man, think long-term. You know, have kids, get married, have babies. And and uh, some of the, the, the fear that's out there, yeah. Get a degree. It's, <laughs> get, a de- get a degree. I had this on. one guy, this one guy that I was mentoring. And I'd ask him, you know, what makes you come alive and what are you passionate about? And the guy said to me, he goes, I've been, he says, I grew up a Jehovah's Witness. And he says, and we were taught that Jesus could come anytime, the end of the world, the destruction of the world, so on and so forth. And he said to me, he's like, he's like, I had no ambition for anything after high school. He's like, so now all of a sudden I'm saved and you keep asking me about what my long-term vision in Christ is. He's like, I've never even thought about anything like that before. And it's it's really sad. He never played sports and he never got to do anything. And so now in his 30s, he's actually living for the first time. So that's 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 sad, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Uh, the next question comes from a good a good friend of mine. Just a, he's one of the sweetest guys you would ever, ever meet. His name is Stevie Wool. And so, Stevie, we're going to dive into your question right now. And, um, this question is a very common question and sometimes is ignored within the church just for a lack of a good answer. And so it's an honor to be able to kind of dive into this one, but it says, if God is good, why is there so much pain and suffering in the world? And does God want to, uh, and does God want everyone to be healed? So it's the, it's the, it's the suffering question. So where are you at with this, Ivan? I think it's a, it's a really phenomenal question and I'm going to answer it probably like, like if I was talking to somebody who wasn't saved, that might be communicated differently. But let's just say there's a lot of listeners on your podcast that are Christian. So I'm going to address it maybe from that perspective if you want to cover the other. Sure. <clears throat> there's, there's a teaching that, that actually isn't as old as people think. And it's this teaching is now, let me kind of uh, expound on this so it doesn't sound like I'm sharing heresy, that God is in control of everything that happens. So everything that happens, both good, bad, and ugly, is God at the root of it. I heard one Calvinistic teacher say, uh, Calvinism is the theology. And he says that the devil is just a dog at the end of God's leash. And so when you wow. study that that perspective, then then we do have to ask the question, wait a minute, God, that children that were hurt and murders and all this stuff, you're up there like a tyrant in the sky. All we have to do is look at the scripture to see that the angels chose Right. Adam and Eve chose like this whole understanding of free will. Like God is not a control freak. Yes, God is in charge. He's the king of kids and the Lord of lords. But even the terminology, you know, sovereign, we have to understand it from the a biblical perspective versus our modern perspective. Even in a kingdom, the subjects can still disobey. And so I think what, what I'm seeing more and more as the church begins to embrace certain theology is we're kind of losing the, the simplicity of the gospel, which is God, good, devil, bad, right? John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, 
kill and destroy. I've come, Jesus says, that you might have life and life to its fullness. Romans 8, 2, one of my favorite verses. Uh, and it goes on to say, uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Come on. So we have to understand that we are in a fallen world. And I like to think of it like this. We, it's like, it's war. Do good people get shot in battle? Do good people get killed in war? Yes, they do. And as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, we're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus on the earth. We're advancing the kingdom. Sin, sickness, disease, poverty is our enemy. For this purpose was the Son of God made manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. We have the same commission from the Father to advance the kingdom of God. And I think when the church begins to realize our responsibility, so going into the second question that the guy asked about healing, this is one of those questions that like theologians go back and forth because if you call upon the name of the Lord, you shall be saved, right? Well, if you call upon the Lord for healing, people die. And so the question is, is healing in the atonement? From my study, healing is absolutely in the atonement. It's actually one of the covenant names of God, Jehovah Rapha, I am the Lord who heals. The word Yahweh there is, I am that I am and I always will be your healer. Jesus comes in Acts chapter 10, 38, says how God anointed Jesus, who went about doing good, healing, all those who oppressed the devil. So, okay, so now scripture says all, 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 all. Well, how come my father-in-law passed away of cancer after I prayed for him? I don't know. You know what I mean? If I'm honest. Right, But right. Hebrews chapter... Hebrews chapter 2 is one of my favorite verses. I'll probably say that a hundred times. And it says this. It says, all things are made subject to him. So Jesus died on the cross. He defeats principalities, powers. He's King Jesus. But then the next line, Darren, says, yet we do not see all things subjected to him. And that's our part as ambassadors of the kingdom. We're, that's why we're called to heal the sick, cleanse the lever, cast out devils. And so I feel, and, and so let me just say one more thing for those of people that have a theological background. I'm not saying we make the earth perfect and then Jesus comes. That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, however, we have a job to do on the earth in advancing the kingdom. So simply, why do bad things happen? Because there's a devil. And then there's Come that on. question that, that you know, then there's the then there's the question and and uh, well you know God could prevent it you know there's certain things like that that I go you know what there's this verse in scripture and uh, most translations say precious in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints I encourage your readers your viewers listeners to to look that up in the actual original Hebrew what it says is costly costly in the sight of the Lord are the death of his saints. So when I understand that, I go, there are people that die prematurely, that there are people. Remember, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. Was it God's intentions that Cain killed Abel? No, a spirit of anger and murder came over him. So I do think that people have to realize the spiritual warfare view of, man, the kingdom of heaven suffers violent and the violent lay a hold of it. And we're not fighting one another, but we wrestle, the Bible says, you know, principalities, powers. And I feel like in times past, people have like overemphasized like a demon in every bush. You know, you can't do karate because you'll get a devil and you can't stretch because it's connected to yoga and you'll get a demon. And so there's been this superstition. So I wonder, Darren, if we've swung the pen. Swang. Is that a word? Swing? <laughs> actually, swang. <laughs> that's, that's actually the name of my new book. Swang. Bro, bro I'm perfect. I picked it up. <laughs> Come on. We have swung the pendulum clearly to the other side. 
where now it's like we forgot that there is a war between light and darkness and good and evil. So I don't know if I if I uh, answered that question. Yeah, absolutely. You did a great you did a great job. I think that, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to have swang you know, to the other side. I mean, I, I grew up, I grew up in the, in the, in the Pentecostal age assembly of God kind of, kind of stream where we prayed for the sick every single Sunday, but nobody ever got healed. All right. You know, so I grew up with a theology for healing, but I never saw, I never saw a demonstration of healing. And so what that did for me is it developed, it developed this idea that God absolutely could heal the sick but it's probably not going to. And that was like this subconscious defeater that I grew up with. And so therefore when I, when I kind of rebelled and went into my, my Calvinism phase, (laughs) you know, some people, some people rebel and become hardcore drug users. I I rebelled and became a Calvinist. Um, Okay. (laughs) And uh, I loved it. I I absolutely loved it. I love the doctrine of sovereignty. I love the the doctrine of depravity. It it was like, it was the explanation for all, Uh for all my defeaters. And I was like, I love the fact that I can be practically depraved (laughs) and yet, and yet positionally righteous. Like I just, I loved all that. And um, the problem was when I became a pastor and then people, people were sick and I had to go and pray for them. I was actually just finding myself going and bringing comfort to them. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I got really, really frustrated because here I am singing on Sundays. God, you're all powerful. You're everywhere present. You're you're all knowing. You're this great big God. And yet, why am I not seeing your bigness demonstrated in my life? And I got really, really like angry. But then I realized I was actually getting angry at myself and not at God. I realized that the problem was my understanding and expectation for God to move versus God's willingness. And so right. I think that um, sometimes we form theology around our disappointments and we're, and we're most likely to grab a token theology based off of its convenience and where we're at in our own sanctification or in our own disappointment versus really getting back to the Bible, <laughs> right? Right. Ver- like scriptures like Matthew four twenty four, where Jesus went around healing every disease and sickness, you know, and, and I don't think, I, I don't, I don't think we ever see Jesus saying, you know, like, like being big, like, you know, Jesus, son of David, heal me. And Jesus is like, hold on, let me pray about it. Like, right. father, is it thy will for this young right. man to be like, no, no. Like Jesus is like, absolutely, let's do this thing. Right. Like Jesus was always ready to execute justice and heal some peeps, you know? And I think that, uh, man, I think that to a great degree, a lot of Calvinistic kind of sovereignty type stuff has been embedded even into our Pentecostalism. Yes. So that when we see somebody who's sick, our default isn't to execute justice like Jesus. Our default is to kind of bring comfort because we kind of doubt, um, we kind of doubt the willingness of God to show up in a, in a massive demonstration through us, you know, because of the man of God syndrome or whatever else we've. So for that very reason, I think that this whole thing of like awakening and revival, I think like it's the, so many, so many people, they judge a revival based off of what happens outside of the church. Right. Like, right. Like I don't, we don't need revival. We need reformation. Well, like it will get outside of the church, but if when people come inside of the church, there's no demonstration of power and there's, there's no company of people that actually believe that God wants to, 
demonstrate his power through them, then like if, if, if all the, if all the magic is taking that place outside of the church, then people flood the church and they find that the church is really just too secular for them. I think people are going to be greatly disappointed. So I'm a huge, I'm a huge believer that we need a massive shake and bake within the church, within the church of America. So that like when we hear that our friend has cancer, there's like that righteous anger that rises up within us where we're like Jesus approaching the tomb of Lazarus. There's like smoke billowing out of our mouth and we're like cancer get out, you know, like, like I can't wait till that's the default of the church. And I, and I I believe that's the direction we're going. And I think that's the tension right now in the church of, 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 I believe there's kind of like, I don't know if you would agree with this, but I think there's kind of like this, um, tension right now between a, a, a younger generation that's coming up that's saying like enough talk like like yes. we've, we've got to start doing the walk you know absolutely and, um and i think that there's i think that there's a massive this is this this is the word that i'm getting right now I, there's a massive shake and bake i i don't think I, I should try to see if elijah list will will publish this there's a massive shake and bake that's in store for the church. Of Come on, buddy. Shake and bake. Shake and bake. <laughs> you, when you were talking about Calvinism, I was thinking, you know, Calvinism is a brilliant systematic theology, which is why so many people hold to it. Any question that you have about God or the Bible Calvinism has a perfect answer. Like if you've ever seen, what's that game? Is a Blinko or whatever, you know, like where you drop the coin. Do, 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 do. It's got a category for everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my conviction is when you study the scripture from Genesis to Revelation, there, you know, from the Hebraic understanding of God, you live in tension. You live in a certain realm of mystery. In our Western academic culture, I have to know the answer. And I think for, for me, as much as I study and read and I'm, I'm pursuing a doctorate right now, I have to come to the place to say, if I could figure everything about God in my brain, then he's not that big. You know, there are things about the nature and character of God clearly revealed through Christ. But there's some of these questions that at the end of the day, we have to say, do I, am I convinced of the goodness of God? And, and I'm convinced of his goodness. If somebody doesn't get healed after I pray, then maybe they'll get healed tomorrow. And if they don't and they're saved, then they have the ultimate healing. Then they go to heaven. Come on. Yep. Or, or maybe God chooses a doctor and then they get healed through, you know what I mean? Like I just, I just think God is so diverse in his ways that sometimes, you know, we try to academically put him in a box and it's like, yeah, I think that's a part of a part of what we're stepping into. Like you're talking about shake and bake. It's, it's like, God (laughs) is fun and he's exciting. You know, if you're bored with Jesus, then you don't know the same Jesus that I know. You know, he's he's so amazing and so fun. And ah, yeah, it's good. Shake and bake. (laughs) (laughs) Ivan, let's talk about hell. Um, That was okay. uh, Let's do it. Uh, We weren't sure, guys, if we were actually going to do it. But let's let's talk about hell. Um, Let's do this right now. So we got a question um, from a Todd Bassett, a young man in the. He, he's 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 a he's a nice young man in the era, in the greater Arizona area, <laughs> and he, he he submitted this question: Is hell uh, for real? And uh, so, Ivan, I don't know if you would agree with this, but it seems like hell is really under attack lately. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, do, would you agree with that? Are you concerned about that? Like, 
what, what the hell's going on right now, Ivan? <laughs> what in the hell is going on? Well, well, I think I think. Let me take it from this perspective, and I there's there's these teachings that I've, I've heard a few of them and they're they're using the passages out of Romans I believe five where it says that we're all in Christ yep right yep. and so inclusion and so basically they're saying you just have to awaken to the spirituality that you're already in Christ and so with that being said it's the doctrine of ultimate reconciliation which means there's no hell and then they they take scriptures of hell and they say well Gehenna is a trash heap and Tartarus is this and then you know and I I've heard some of these to be very honest with you Darren this is not a subject I'm an expert in you know I don't sure, sure. I, I haven't studied hell I would rather study Jesus in the kingdom what I would say is this I would say the scripture is very clear repent and believe in the gospel so I don't buy into the all the inclusion in the context of Yes, I'm in Christ, but I have to accept the free gift of forgiveness and the free gift of righteousness. When it comes to hell, let me just say this. I'm 20 years old. I'm hammered drunk. I'm on the streets of Philadelphia. I'm the innocent bystander of a drive-by shooting. I have this encounter with God in the midst of it, and I hear the inner audible voice of God say, where would you go if you died right now? And the question was, heaven or hell? And I answered, I'm really drunk. I'd go to hell. And so I think of that experience that I had with the Lord, and I know my experience is subjective, but because of my experience with God, I am convinced that there is a hell. Now I know that there's like total annihilation and partial annihilation, and there's, you yep. know, and after yep. a while, I, I just go like, you know what, let's just get as many people into heaven as we possibly can. And I just think that some of this teaching also What's the fruit of it? Like, is it leading people to just, not that we need hell to get people to walk in righteousness, but I just feel like some of these teachings that are going out there, it's just like, you can do whatever you want. You don't need righteousness. You don't need, you know, practical sanctification, whatever. Just do whatever you want to do. We're all, it's all going to be, you know, the same in the end. So I, I am nervous about it. I have talked to a lot of younger uh, believers about it. And uh, that's kind of been my question is like, How's that working out for you in your relationship with God? Are you finding yourself like sleeping around with your girlfriend more and getting high more? And because that's what I'm seeing, right? In my very limited scope, I'm not seeing good fruit coming from that camp. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would, I would, I would agree um, that even though it's not full blown universalism, it would seem as though the fruit of inclusionism leads to destruction you know lead leads to hell actually and and what's interesting it was it's my favorite presbyterian tim keller i mean i love all presbyterians but my my favorite presbyterian he he said he said it's something interesting i hope i quote it properly he said that for the believer this life is the closest thing to hell that you will ever experience but for the unbeliever this life is the closest thing to heaven that you'll ever experience and i think that the that the thing is is that wherever like um uh well okay let me let me just kind of pivot here a little bit i i heard a pro, like a prophet uh recently say that he kind of judges a revival based off of the amount or the 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 heaviness the gravity on is hell actually being preached so i i i just i just heard li- listened to that recently wow. and i 
I don't know, man. I don't know if it's our generation or what, but I don't necessarily feel a real amount of gravity or weightiness on teaching on hell right now as right. much as inviting people into this um, into this relationship with with God who is love and is peace and, you know, is joy like into that kingdom of righteousness, peace and joy. Right. Like so like I, I'm like you and in that and and there is this interesting tension right now um in that you do have these people that are deconstructing um hell like right now like like there is no hell like everyone's going to heaven you know <laughs> and um and so yeah i mean my answer is, is there a hell like my answer would be like hell yeah <laughs> right like <laughs> like like jesus talked about hell more than anyone right like Come on. like and so hell is in fact jesus talked about hell more than he did heaven um, in, in the New Testament. And so for him just to be using it as a metaphor for a trash heap, I don't think Jesus really cared about where they took their trash. You know, I think he's, right. he's referring to this place of eternal torment that's out, that, that exists outside of righteousness, peace, and joy. And, and that to me is, is tormenting, that, that, there, that there is a place where there is no joy, where there is no peace, where there is no right standing, where there is no relationship with the Father. And um, it's not that his presence isn't there. I, I, I think that the presence of God is in hell. I just think that there's no, I don't think you can escape his presence. I think God is just so, I, I think David kind of articulates that beautifully. I think the scariest part is that his presence is there, but there's absolutely no connection. There's no way to interact with it. Oh. It's like here you have this beautiful steak and you haven't eaten in years. And this is horrible. I didn't even think this through. I, I'm not saying God's a steak, but imagine you had it. Like, <laughs> imagine, you, you, have, you know, you have yeah, <laughs> I haven't eaten lunch yet. <laughs> like, imagine you haven't, let's just, I'm going to, I'm going to follow this. Imagine you haven't eaten it, it, you know, you're starving and here's this incredible meal and, and, and yet there's separation. There's no invitation. It, it's illegal for you to be able to engage with that. And I, and, I, and, I, and I think that that is what Jesus is talking about. It's this place of total isolation and it's this place of, of, of torment. And, uh, and so that and, and I believe I believe in that. I mean, that's what Jesus talks about. But I, I'm not necessarily going to give my life to become an expert. <laughs> in, exactly. Exactly. In, yeah. in that, because I, I think at the end of the day, fear is not as great of a mo- motivator as that place of love and being and knowing that you're infinitely loved and infinitely accepted because of the blood of Jesus. So come on. Yeah. And I think some of the pictures that have been painted about hell is like, you know, the book Dante's Inferno yep. where like Satan has a throne and his demons are like his minions. And I think there needs to be an understanding that it's God's desire that none should perish, but all have eternal life. And hell was created for the devil and the demons. Yep. And that I, I believe with all my heart that, you know, each person has multiple, multiple encounters that Jesus is bringing them to, to have a relationship with him. It's like what you were saying, the goodness of God leads us to repentance. Absolutely. And, and that's why I think, you know, in Muslim nations, you know, these guys are coming to Jesus through dreams and visions of Jesus. If, if he can't send a missionary out there to preach the gospel, he'll go himself. I think it's, it's important. I mean, that, that we do realize it's not like God's just up there. Like I'm sending you to hell. It's like, no, he's, he's reaching out. He leaves the 99 to go after the one. And, and so it's it's sad that people will 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 say there is a God. I know he's real, but I don't choose him. 
That's that's a sad thought. Absolutely. To, to, to think that we have this opportunity to either receive love or to reject this beautiful gift of love. I mean, it's it's incredible to think that there are people that, you know, I believe that that that, that choice is so um, it's so it's so seated within the heart that even in a place of hell, there would still be that rejection of of the love of God. So I like like my, my belief is that um, that hell isn't going to be the kind of thing where people are like, you know, oh, my goodness, I'm in hell. Like like I like I really think my own personal belief is that hell is a choice that you um, you either you either choose life or you reject life. And even in knowing what the cost will be, that that you would still it would still be a choice. And and so wow. I, I just, you know, and I. Anyways, probably enough on that. Instead of like, instead, yeah. instead of getting into, the, I just think like I want to stay away from that. But, um, but, but I, I so believe that God's grace is so big, His love is so big that we're going to be shocked at who we see in heaven. <laughs> no, I totally, yeah, you know. I totally believe that. So. Absolutely believe that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this has been fun, man. I mean, we we dove into so fun end times, and I, I mean, I guess I never gave a whole lot of practical survival tactics, but, uh, Oh yeah. I, I guess I never necessarily got into, you know, next time, next time. All right. Next podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we'll just, we'll, we'll talk about maybe not necessarily end times, but we'll talk about just survival in general. <laughs> like surviving the zombie apocalypse. Absolutely. Or like that. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I would, I would be the guy with the sword, man. I yeah. would have like two swords, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I- Okay, I know it's super lame to end a show with a random Transformers sound effect, but actually my Skype recorder got jammed and then like actually started looping my voice over and over and over and over again, so you couldn't even make out what Ivan and I were even talking about. But the good part is that you actually got the majority, you got the whole thing, okay? And so hopefully you've uh, enjoyed that. Let me know what you thought about kind of the Q&A format. Uh, let me know if you like it. Of course, you can um, tweet me, Facebook me. Uh, my handle is at the Darren Stott. Like the Facebook page. Let's definitely stay in touch. And thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. Love you guys. Talk real soon.